You're listening to a message from Maranatha Church of Jacksonville. For more information, please visit our website, maranathajax.com. Hello, Maranatha. Welcome back to our study in 1 John. This is Pastor Kevin, and we are looking at 1 John chapter 2. And so last week I talked about 1 John 1 and an introduction to the book of 1 John. And I wanted to remind you that 1 John is a poetic sermon to the churches. It's being read like a poetic sermon. And John is reminding the believers to stay faithful to the teachings of Jesus. So throughout the letter of 1 John, that is what John's doing, reminding them of of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. And he pulls from Jesus's final teachings, the farewell discourse that's found in the gospel of John, chapters 13 through 17. So a lot of what we see in the letter of John is found in those chapters of the Gospel of John, John chapter 13 through 17. So 1 John 2, we see that John is wanting the disciples to stay faithful, stay in fellowship with Jesus, to not go backwards into sin. And so I'm going to just read a few verses. There's there's many verses in John, uh, 1 John 2, so I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it would be helpful for you to read along or to read the chapter before this or after this, or right now, if you want to pause it. Uh, So 1 John 2 starts with this. John says, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. So right, right here off the, uh, the to start this chapter, John is telling them that he has an advocate. We all have an advocate in Jesus. And this advocate word is actually the same word that John uses in John chapter 14 of the gospel that explains about the Holy Spirit. So it's interesting here that he's talking about Jesus as the advocate, the parakletos, the one that's called to our side, called to one side one who pleads another's cause before a judge. And so Jesus mentions that his Holy Spirit will come and be their comforter, their parakletos in John 14, 25 through 26. And now here John calls Jesus their parakletos, who is with the Father. He's with the judge. And so take comfort through the Holy Spirit, knowing that Jesus is advocating for you. And he has made atonement for our sins, as it mentioned in verse 2. And so that word atonement is meaning to cover. And so that idea of atonement comes from Leviticus 16, this scene in the Old Testament where the whole congregation of the Israelites would have been forgiven of their sins through an act of the high priest going into uh, the Holy of Holies, going into the place to make a sacrifice on behalf of the people. And so atonement has been um, throughout the entire uh, story of Israel. And now we see Jesus is the one who makes atonement for our sins. And later on, this verse is repeated in 1 John 4, 10. So we'll see it again, this, this idea that Jesus makes atonement for us. So then uh, now in verses th- 3 through 11, we see this idea of this new slash old commandment, this language that here's a commandment for you to listen to. It's, an, it's one that we've known since the beginning. Look at verse um, 6. He says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So he's saying, look, keep my commandments. If, if you keep the commandments of Jesus, you're living like Jesus. And so how do we know how Jesus lived? How do we know 
what he did. Well, we look at the Gospels. We've been looking at the Gospel of John, and we study his life in order to know how he lived so that we can live, as John says here in 1 John 2, 6, that we, we can live like God, live like Jesus. We, we study, and it takes intentional study of the life of Jesus to understand how to act in certain situations. And this is called incarnational ministry. And incarnation is is where God has been made flesh in Jesus. He's the incarnation. And so we have this same calling in ministry that God has called us to, to, to be, is incarnational, meaning that we can be uh, the hands and feet of Jesus to other people in, in our flesh through the Holy Spirit giving us the power to do the things that Jesus did. So now we see this uh, commandment idea here where John says to his people that he's writing to, he calls them friends. So earlier we see him call them my dear children, this very intimate language, my dear children, listen. Now we see him call them the friend, dear friends, verse seven, I'm not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one you have had from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before. And so this is a message that they heard in John 13, 33 through 35, where Jesus washes the disciples' feet and he calls them to love one another. And he says the same phrasing, a new commandment I give to you is love one another. And this this is an old commandment that we see in Leviticus 19, 18, where it says this very same thing is to, to love your neighbors, to love, to love them, not to take vengeance on them, but to love them. And so Jesus was the perfect example of this truth, of this commandment. He was love. He is love. Jesus is love. And we'll see that in 1 John 4, that phrase, God is love. So now uh, John is uh, giving these people, these readers in chapter 2, verse 9. He says, look, if anyone claims I am living in the light, I'm living like Christ, I'm doing these things like Christ, I'm loving each other. If they're, if they're claiming this, but they hate a Christian brother or sister, that person is still living in darkness. So here's that theme of light and darkness that John uses often. So he's saying, if you say this, but you're you're hating someone, you hate someone, you are living in darkness. If you say this and you're, and you're loving others, you actually are doing this and you're actually walking out, you are living in the, you are being the light. You're bringing stability to other people's lives by saying, I am a Christ follower and actually living it out. This is very needed, is if you are a Christian, then live as Christ did. That is the basic example of what a Christian is, somebody who lives like Christ. And so John really doesn't want people to say one thing and act another way. He's wanting them to say one thing, I am a Christ follower, and to act in that same way. Then we see uh, in verses 12 through 14, we see this kind of this poetic uh, phrasing that he uses where he addresses specific people in the church. Well, he'll, he'll address the children, he'll address fathers, and he'll address uh, young people people, young men. And so here's what he says about this. He says, he says dear children, I'm, I'm writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I'm writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. And then he, and he kind of uh, repeats some of it and, and phrases it a little different in verse 14. But I wanted to show you that he's specifically calling out people 
in in the church that he's writing to. And so if you were a, a child, you would have heard, children, listen, oh, and it kind of probably would have perked your ears because remember, when this letter was first uh, addressed to the people, it was read out loud. It wasn't written and given to everybody. It was read out loud. So everybody would have been gathered together, listening to it together as a congregation of believers. And so he's saying, children, listen, oh, your sins are forgiven. And this is the, the starting point of our faith is that our sins are forgiven. And then later we see he mentions the fathers or the mature. He said, knowledge of Christ over a long period of time. These are the people who have, have had this relationship with Christ over a long period of time. And then he addresses the young men who are in battle. But he's saying, you are victorious in battle. You have won your battle with the evil one. And so these are these are warriors in the church that are, that are currently in this, in this fight. And he's saying, hey, be encouraged. You are overcomers of that. And so it's, a, it's an interesting uh, poem here that, that John gives, and I want to uh, address it this way, that uh, the children in this poem here only get a, what is addressed to the children. So it's kind of like a stage one, like they haven't been young men yet. They are not mature in the faith. They're children. So they don't quite understand uh, maybe some of the battles that these young men have fought, or they don't understand knowledge of Christ over a long period of time. These are just children. So they understand forgiveness because that's that's the starting point. And then the young men, they're kind of in stage two of this where they have been forgiven of their sins and they were once children. And so they understand both what it what is addressed to the children, which is forgiveness, and to the young men, which is victory in battle. And then you have these mature ones, the fathers, the, the ones who've walked this thing out for a long time. They understand what it what's being addressed to all three stages of faith. They understand what it that that beginning of forgiveness that they once had and they understand those those long battles that they've experienced in life and now they're at this this stage in their life where they have lived it out for a long time and they have this longevity in faith and remember John is very old at this point and so he's encouraging these these old uh, men and women of the faith to continue living it out. Don't give in. And he's reminding them that you were once a child forgiven of your sins. You were once young in battle and and you were victorious. And so continue to live this thing out, young um, young men, fathers. And so that's a that's a really interesting poem there um, that that John writes there. So then moving on, we see in verses fifteen through seventeen where John gives this phrase that we're maybe familiar with, where he says, do not love this world nor the things it offers. You, for when you, were, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achieve, achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And so John is pleading with them, listen, do not go back into these things. Children, fathers, young men, don't go back into these things. Okay, the world doesn't have anything to offer you. You have found faith in Christ and what better thing to have in this world than that? And so right after John gives us encouragement, he gives a warning to not go back into loving the world. And then he talks about this, uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And he gives this contrast of the temporary things, which are those three things mentioned, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, very temporary versus the eternal things. So he's saying the world is temporary in, in what it has to offer, the pleasures it has to offer. It might be pleasurable for a very short time, 
But God has something that is eternal. And so remain faithful to God. Do not go back into those things and those temptations that the world offers you. So, and then he, he kind of ends that, that section there with verse 17. He says, and this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So that's a great contrast there of, of eternal versus temporary. So then in verses 18 through 23, we see another warning. This time it's not about going after the world. It's a warning specifically about these antichrist types. So he's saying, dear children, once again, addressing them as children, dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the antichrist is coming and already many such antichrists have appeared. From this, we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. And so he's pointing out these people who are uh, denying Christ, who um, is an imitation even of Christ. And so this word antichrist is only found in the letters of John, and it's not even found in Revelation. There's other terms that are found, like man of lawlessness, which we see in 2 Thessalonians 2.8. We see this uh, term king of fierce countenance, which is in Daniel 8.23. And these could all be talking about this same antichrist figure, one that comes in the name of the Lord that tries to deceive people and drag people from their faith in Christ into this fake faith, into this other uh, religion. And so he's saying, hey, watch out for these people. Remember, Jesus warns about these false messiahs and false prophets in Matthew 24, and he uh, warns them to not fall into these traps that so many people are are setting. So then in verse 20, he says, you are not like this. Okay. You, you don't belong to that for the Holy one has given you his spirit and all of you know the truth. So I'm writing to you, not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ, anyone who denies the father and the son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the son doesn't have the father either, but anyone who acknowledged the son also has the father. So the spirit is given the disciples or the, the Spirit gives the disciples discernment. And this is the Spirit of Jesus that Jesus promised in John chapters 14, 15, and 16. And the Spirit gives them discernment to know these false prophets and false teachers and false, these antichrists. And so he is telling them, reminding them, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You can discern these false teachers that are coming around trying to take you away from the real teachings of Jesus. Don't fall for that. Do not fall for that. So he's pleading with them not to fall for that, but he's reminding them that they have the Spirit. Use the Spirit. Use the power of the Spirit that's in you to discern that this is not a teaching of Christ, or if it is a teaching of Christ, this is good. And so that's an encouragement for us that we have the Holy Spirit as believers to use discernment, whatever we hear, whatever we read, whatever videos we watch on YouTube or wherever else, to use discernment to know if this is God, if this lines up with the word of God, or if this is just not God. <laughs> and so there's a warning there, very, very uh, sharp there. And then at the ending of this chapter, John is writing to them just to remain faithful, remain in fellowship with Christ. And how do we do that? Is through the Holy Spirit. So he's saying in verse 24 and 25, you must remain faithful to what you have been taught. 
And this idea of remaining, if you hear that word remain, you would be taken back to John chapter 15 of remaining in the vine, staying connected to the vine. And Jesus is the vine. He's the source of life. And then at the end, to end this out, he uh, says in verse 26, I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you. So don't you don't need anyone to teach you what is true for the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. And then he says, and now dear children, to end this chapter, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are God's children. And so he is asking them, remain in fellowship with Jesus. He's returning, he's coming back. And when he does, are you going to be have been caught up in the things of the world and the, the lusts of the flesh and the temporary things and you're caught up in the, the false teachings? When he comes back, is he going to find you and you've been looking around at other things trying to find truth? Or is he going to find you staying connected this entire time in your life, staying in fellowship with him this whole time? And so when he returns, you're, you're full of courage, you're full of faith, hope, hope. Yes, there he is. Or when he comes back, are you going to be like, ooh, I should have been uh, paying more attention. I should have been staying connected. I felt like I've been drifting off. And so I don't know where you are in this. If you are really connected with the Lord and staying in fellowship with him and you, you have the Holy Spirit, or if you have been caught up in some of these things that John writes about and warns about. And so I want to uh, encourage you right now to receive the Holy Spirit, to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, um, to ask for forgiveness of, of Jesus. He atones for our sins. And to ask for, for, for courage and faith and faithfulness to stay in fellowship with Jesus this entire time that you're here on this earth, to stay connected with him. He's, he's good. He's kind. He's right. He's just. He is returning and he wants to return to people who have been seeking him their entire life here. So there's a lot there, but I am encouraged by this chapter and by John's writing. And I want to continue staying in fellowship with Christ through the Holy Spirit. And so let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you have not left us alone, but you've sent us your Holy Spirit to fill us and to guide us and direct us and to give us truth in every circumstance to counsel us. And so I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Give us faith. I pray for faithfulness and longevity in our lives that we would stay faithful to you and remain faithful to you. We love you, Jesus, and thank you. Amen.